This crowd is cheering on the Kip Renaissance Bobcats. The Bobcats are a high school football team in New Orleans. Football is a huge deal in the South. In New Orleans, it's a big part of the city's culture. But after Hurricane Katrina made landfall in 2005, the sounds of Friday night football were pretty much gone from the city's high schools. That's because after the storm, the state took over the local public schools. The state of Louisiana seized more than 100 schools, fired about 7,500 teachers, and turned the buildings over to independent school operators, or charters. Charter schools are funded with public dollars but run by nonprofits or by private companies. The new charter schools in New Orleans needed to prove they were better than the previous schools by showing high test scores and graduation rates fast. Yeah, I mean, it was one of the worst performing school systems in the country uh, by measures like test scores and graduation rates. This is Emmanuel Felton, a staff writer at the Heckinger Report. He recently wrote about the rise of the charter school system in New Orleans. One thing he found is that to focus on academics, many of the charter schools got rid of football. Now some schools are trying to bring football back to rebuild trust with local communities. But what's the trade-off? Does spending money on football mean cutting back on academic programs? From APM Reports, this is Educate, a podcast in collaboration with The Heckinger Report. I'm Stephen Smith. How many public charters are there in New Orleans and how many traditional schools are left? So there are about 80 schools in the city right now. About 75 of the 80 are charter schools at the moment. And the idea is eventually that all 80 will be public charter schools. Many locals saw the loss of football in school as an erasure of their culture. Neighbors that used to come together to sit by the field and watch their local high school football practice lost their gathering spots. So even though the schools weren't very good, people had a sense of community built around these neighborhood schools. Absolutely. They were your neighborhood school, right? It was, the institution, uh, it was an institution that helped anchor your community. Despite the, the test scores and the abysmal graduation rates, it was also like a, a schools that folks were really proud of. How did you land at the Kip Renaissance High School uh, and Joey LaRoche, the, the head of the school, for this story? You know, Kip nationally, it's one of the largest sort of chains of charter schools. And it's one of the most famous for its academic rigor and its, um, you know, laser focus on getting kids to and through college. I mean, across the country, they invest untold millions and not just getting their kids to graduate, but then getting them through college with, you know, there's micro grants and all of these other programs that they do. Um, so, yeah, it was interesting to see this school pick up a game that, you know, in some circles is sort of considered antithetical to a, you know, college going culture, right? Like there's these risks that football takes over. Like, you know, you see those concerns in a lot of parts of the South. But yeah, so I was I was interested in how Kip was going to balance those concerns with, you know, its its strong academic culture. And Joey was particularly interesting because Joey represented a new step for a Kip Renaissance. So for years, I mean, its first principal was a white guy from Florida who moved to New Orleans after Katrina. And that was a big part of the, the new class of school leaders. They were coming in and taking over a system that fun, like prom, predominantly served African-American kids and in sort of a rarity around the country, it was also predominantly run by African-American educators. So that was another bit of the tension. Um, so it was going to be interesting to see Joey as Black New Orleans native, how he was going to take on the challenges and move the school forward. I can't divorce football from high schools and the, the pride in New Orleans. I'm Joey LaRoche. I was the principal of Kip Renaissance High School from 2013 to 2017. 
Joey LaRoche brought football back into Kip Renaissance. It's such a part of the culture, particularly in the fall in New Orleans. Um, and if you want to attract students to your school, like football is an easy way to, um, it's not an easy lift at all, but it's certainly, it is the biggest bang for your buck in terms of like cementing pride and culture, particularly as the team starts to do well and um, you start to get a lot of participation in football or in the, the auxiliaries um, like marching units, like majorettes, things like that, the marching band, all of that is a part of the football experience on you know Friday nights in New Orleans. The Kip Renaissance School, what is it most known for among the charter schools in New Orleans? Um, Kip Renaissance is known to be a part of the Ninth War community of New Orleans. Like, I think that's probably a more famous area that people have heard internationally, especially because of Katrina. It was one of the more severely devastated areas. And so it was important for us at Kip Renaissance to make sure that we were um, really doing justice to the community and changing the narrative of what people around the world thought of of New Orleans, but really what they thought of the Ninth Ward in particular. You say that if charters actually don't offer things like football, marching band, and dance, you're not doing justice to the history of the place, and you're just, in a way, colonizing. Yeah, I think people have really good intentions around raising academic achievement for students. I think sometimes that they don't see those two things being able to happen at the same time. What I know is there are people who got really great education in New Orleans public schools prior to Katrina, and they also had things like football band, you know, arts programs um, that supported sort of their whole experience. We've also seen the success of those things. This is a New Orleans is a place that is rich in culture. I think that's probably the most general way that everyone everyone would agree with, like rich in culture um, in New Orleans. The markers of our culture. Um, probably the most obvious one is our music. So the band programs and things like that, the arts, the food, um, and probably lesser known, but truly the athletics in our high school experience and the way we talk about our high schools are also a marker of our culture and football and sports in general are so um, intimately weaved into that, that narrative. Band and football games is, I, I believe, is one of the key factors that makes a... Uh, well, at least a New Orleans football game. This is Christopher Plummer. He's a senior at Kip Renaissance High School and a saxophone player in the marching band. Because it's, it's like you're putting two prides of two schools against each other. And so I feel as though you can't really have a win without the band and the football team winning. At KIPP, Principal Joey LaRoche hired a former NFL coach and set up a summer football training camp. How much does it cost to bring football back to the school? I can't give you a specific number of how much um, it costs. I think it's like how much you all are going to invest and what do you need to buy. Like not every year do you need to buy um, uniforms, for instance, which are a pretty expensive cost. And nowadays, like all the high school kids have multiple sets of uniforms, like just like the NFL does, because they want to look just like that. And so we're all competing with each other to to stay relevant to the community and to the families and it, and attract the kids to it. So um, it's expensive. I'm, I mean, we're talking in like the tens of thousands of dollars for sure, um, and it's totally worth it for the the sense of pride and culture it brings to. Um, the school, it makes our academic work a lot easier to do when people um, at all levels, students, families, teachers, you know, leaders want to be in the building doing this work that is very hard. Um, when there's something that you're coming to look forward to outside of the classwork and academics, it's, um, it makes it a lot easier. I asked reporter Emmanuel Felton whether other principals he talked to were unable to tell him how much football costs. 
Yeah, I mean, that's not that uncommon. Usually, though, principals are ever able to tell me what they traded off, right? So there's a principal, Rhonda Dale, at a Psy Academy out in New Orleans East. And she's able to talk really eloquently about, you know, what football did come with trade-offs, right? If I'm going to invest in this kind of, like, this really expensive game, I would need to forego some things. And what she decided to forego, what the Psy Academy community decided to forego, was some of the, like, really intense college tutorings, like the mechanisms to like match kids with colleges and then like work with kids while they're in college to make sure they graduate, which is like the sort of high intensity college coaching that KIPP does that Psy Academy decided to trade off for football. So yeah, I mean, it's definitely a trade off, but she felt like serving that community well was just as important as um, those sort of high intensity college tutoring and prep programs. Critics of sports like football in school say it's an expensive sport and that the cost is not only measured in dollars, but in student and faculty focus. Nobody can argue against sports in schools, period. The argument is about the degree to which sports tend to pervade every corner of school, particularly high school and particularly football. My name is Amanda Ripley, and I am the author of a book called The Smartest Kids in the World and How They Got That Way. In her book, Amanda Ripley dives into research about how kids learn in different parts of the world. She argues that the United States is unique in providing sports in schools. So once you go down the path of requiring and expecting high schools to provide a variety of sports as sort of a core part of their mission, you immediately begin distracting teachers, principals, students from the learning that is supposed to be the priority of their mission. You've said that it's important that while we're talking about uh, this story in New Orleans, that it isn't just about sports. What is so different about football than the other sports that are played in, in schools? Football is far and away the most expensive high school sport because it goes in so many different directions and comes from different pots. So many football teams have half a dozen or more coaches, all of whom get a small stipend. Some schools hire professional coaches at full salaries. You know, everything involved with football is expensive. The bleachers, reconditioning the helmets, all these things, you know, reconditioning helmets, just take one example, which many teams pay for every year, can cost more than $1,500 for a large team. And then every time you have a game, you have to you know, bring in security, get someone to line the fields, deal with insurance, buses. And then again, your teacher's missing class. So you have to hire a substitute, you know, for the teachers who are also coaches. But, you know, beyond the financial cost, which is significant and notably almost never known by any principal anywhere, there's a cost in students' focus, right? I mean, not just the kids who play football, but the kids who don't. Well, some people would argue, though, that uh, maybe not just football per se, but sports in general, can instill certain uh, qualities or benefits in kids like grit or stick or having a, a physical routine. Absolutely. You know, I played soccer all my life. I coach a boys' soccer team right now with my for my son. So I think sports are incredibly important. The challenge is when it becomes central to the mission of school, it begins to eat away at the things we say matter. And it's important to be conscious of that and set up really clear kind of guardrails to protect it from, to protect the core mission of learning from the distraction and drain of resources that that sports um, 
can create. You know, what is the all-in cost per, per athlete for football, for the buses, the band, the cheerleader, the meals, the hotels on the road, the, everything? Um, what is that cost roughly per, per athlete? And then have the conversation. You know, do we think this is worth it? And you have to literally keep checking to make sure, hey, how much are we spending on this? How much time are kids putting in? You know, if they're coming back three weeks early for summer conditioning, does that make sense? Like, were we also doing that for, you know, science? (laughs) For sure, no. The answer is no. (laughs) So if we want to make sure our values and our rhetoric um, match our actions, then it's going to take constant vigilance. You lose kids' belief in the system when you say math matters, but you spend four times that for cheerleading per cheerleader. Is there a way to do football right? The leader of the school has to be 100% behind it and vigilant. As soon as you let down your guard, (laughs) football will tend to chip away at the seriousness of the academic mission. I mean, I, I... you know, I think this is a difficult problem. Like, I don't want to simplify it. I mean, I do think you need to create a sense of community. You need to find ways to engage kids and families. And it's important that you work on school culture, you know. So I don't want to suggest that this is a simple problem and you should just never have sports. Um, I think that's, you know, that's not fair to kids. Uh, but I think you should talk to all the students, not just the students who want to be on the football team or who love football, but talk to all the students and say, you know, what are ways we could make school more relevant to your life in addition or besides football? And I think you'll get some really interesting responses if you ask them earnestly. At Kip Renaissance in New Orleans, the students who talked to Emmanuel said football did make school feel relevant. I feel like everybody is starting to get school spirit now. And it's fun. Everything is fun now. This is Dejanae Edwards. She's a senior at Kip Renaissance and a co-captain of the school's dance team. I think if you don't have school spirit, then you're not getting the full experience of high school. Because if you just come and you just feel like, oh, I'm just... Like, everybody's supposed to say, you know, I'm here for my education, but you also have to have fun. Because if you don't, it's just boring. Yeah, I mean, at Kip, I think it's really transformed the school. I mean, it's interesting to go to Kip at about 3.30. That's reporter Emmanuel Felton again. Kip Renaissance, um, you know, was this school that I was prepared to imagine would be pretty, um, I don't know, standardized almost. That there would be, you know, after school, there would be after school activities. But I was sort of imagining like the chess club. But when you walk around the school right after dismissal, you see all of these teams, the flag team, the dance team, practicing in the hallways and like really um, engage kids excited about the Friday night show that they're all going to put on. We knew we wanted to do two things. Again, here's Principal Joey LaRoche. We wanted to have a really rigorous high school experience for kids, but we also wanted them to, we want, we didn't want to sacrifice their, their high school experience culturally um, strictly for academics. And we thought we could do both of those things, and those things are not mutually exclusive for our students. Football seemed to be the most natural way to do that. We've been talking to Emmanuel Felton, a staff writer at the Heckinger Report. He wrote the story titled, City That Loved and Lost High School Football Finally Gets It Back. We'll have a link to Emmanuel's article on our website, educatepodcast.org. 
That's it for this episode. We'd love to hear your thoughts and feedback. What did this podcast make you think about the role of football in American high schools? Let us know. We're on Twitter and Facebook at Educate Podcast, or you can send us a note to contact at apmreports.org. We'll be back in two weeks to talk about students in Georgia who are dropping out of college because they've taken on too much debt. This while the state sits on more than half a billion dollars of surplus scholarship money that could help them. Alex Baumhart and Chris Julin produced the podcast. Catherine Winter is our editor and Emily Hanford, our senior producer. We partner with the Heckinger Report, a nonprofit independent news organization focused on inequality and innovation in education. Support for APM Reports comes from Lumina Foundation and the Spencer Foundation. I'm Stephen Smith. Thanks for listening. This is APM. APM.